In this episode of the OCR Underground Show, I'm going to talk about altitude sickness and a few things you can do to avoid it. We're going to talk about some research on caffeine, and then I have on SGX coach Rose Dye. She's going to talk about her incredible comeback story. Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right. Hey, guys. Mike Diebler here, and this is episode 80 of the OCR Underground Show. Uh, I recently just got back from New York. I had a great trip with the family to uh, really to visit my parents. But luckily, while I was out there, I was able to compete in the Spartan Sprint. So about an hour away from where I grew up is Bethel, New York, the site of uh, the original Woodstock. Um, and so we had the opportunity, my wife and I, to, to drive out there and participate in a really fun event. Uh, it's, again, so second race you know, of the year for my, myself. And uh, it was gr- great to be out there, great to be so close to home. And, you know, being on the West Coast, we kind of get very similar scenery and types of, of venues. So anytime I can get to the East Coast, um, it's just a great opportunity. Uh, I, I love the venue. It was the first time they did it there. I loved the, well, just the green. <laughs> we don't see you know fields and and forests like like that out in the west coast so that was a nice little change and you know it was awesome just from a a terrain standpoint running across grass and in the woods the trail was soft so it was really easy running uh so easy on the joints uh just a a nice a nice little change of pace there um but i I, like i said i thought it was a, a great venue it was fast i think they said it was about 600 feet of elevation and i am totally okay with that uh, it's nice to get out there and just run and, and really be able to push the pace in, in some of these races. So it's it's fun to get those hills and some of those mountain trails, but it's also it's fun to see what kind of speed you can do and, and uh, get out there on, on flatter courses. So uh, I did like uh, to have that flat, fast course out there. You know, it's was, it was more of uh, what you'd expect. Uh, it was, you know, your traditional obstacles, you know, nothing new. Um, I I did like the layout of the course. I thought it was a you know being a sprint, uh, it's obviously going to be less running. But I thought it was a good balance of having the trails. I loved running through the woods and you know just having to maneuver and and get you know get through the the, the terrain there. Um, so they had good patches of of running where you could really open up. Um, and then you know they'd cluster a few obstacles together. So it was I, I thought a really good combination of of everything there. So great, great venue. Uh, if they do it again, I highly recommend. If you're on the East Coast, you know, check it out. It was it, it was a lot of fun, and um, you know, excited to to get back into this as more and more races are happening. So next up for me is going to be Asheville, uh, end of July. So I'm looking forward to doing the super out there. I haven't done that venue. From what I've heard, it's going to be nice and hot. Good chance it'll be nice and muddy, um, but it'll be a fun race, I'm sure, out there. So. If you're going to be out there, definitely try and meet up. Uh, that, that should be a fun one as well. But for today's episode, uh, I have another great one for you. So I want to talk a little bit about altitude. Um, I know I've touched on a few things in the past, but it's just something that you you might have to deal with uh, running a race. And if you end up suffering from altitude sickness, it's, it's a big deal and it can really ruin your race. So I want to talk about some things you can do to hopefully at least reduce your risk. You know, we can't prevent... 100% of, of things from happening, but if we can just put the odds in your favor, that's always a good thing. So I wanted to chat today uh, a little bit about preparing for altitude. Uh, I also want to touch on some research on caffeine. You know, caffeine's one of the most researched supplements out there. Obviously, it's get you it's used for most people daily, uh, and just you know for some just to get through the day. Other people will use it as a performance enhancement. Um, but it isn't always going to work in your favor. So I just wanted to touch on some interesting research uh, with caffeine. And and then finally, as I mentioned uh, last episode, I have a ton of great interviews I need to get out. So uh, this this one's no exception. I have SDX coach uh, Rose Dye, and she's going to tell her story, kind of how she was on top, you know, racing and, you know, podium, uh, getting on the podium 
and and just off to a great start uh, had had some things happen and she had to fight her way back so really cool story uh, I know you guys are gonna enjoy that one from coach Rose uh, before we get into it I want to make sure I take a, a few minutes and let you know about our sponsors of the show I wanted to talk about Venga CBD if you've been listening to the show for a while you know I'm a big fan of Venga CBD and their products I've been taking it for quite a while now to help with my training and recovery um, and you might have tried it out but if not it might be a little confusing on where to start well i wanted to let you know that they've actually created a quiz to help you personalize your cbd plans all i have to do is take a simple quiz to help you get started you're going to answer a few questions and then it's going to personalize your cbd recommendations based specifically on what you're looking for and what goals you're trying to accomplish super easy uh really quick quiz just check out their website at vengacbd.com quiz and if you take the quiz, there might actually be a freebie in there for you as well. So again, head on over to vengacbd.com quiz, and you can get started with your personalized plan right now. And our second sponsor that I want to talk about, uh, their product's actually in my hand right now, and that would be the Handmaster Plus Grip Trainer. Uh, again, another product I've talked about for a long time. Just such a simple, easy thing you can do. Uh, matter of fact, usually when I'm recording the podcast, uh, that's exactly what I'm doing is using that grip trainer. Uh, so if you haven't seen it before, it is uh, not just a grip ball that you squeeze, but also has rubber bands that you attach around your fingers so you can open the hand as well. Just like any joint of the body, anything you were trying to train, we want to work it in balance, right? You wouldn't just do you know, push-ups and no pulling, no rowing exercises, right? You want to make sure we have balance of the joint so we don't develop any issues. A lot of people, they just work on so much crushing grip strength uh, that they tend to overdo it and then some issues start to develop like um, elbow pain and wrist pain. So this is a great simple tool you can use to help balance out your grip training, train the muscles that close the hand uh, as well as the muscles that open the hand. Uh, check them out at hammasterplus.com. Uh, again, super simple tool that I think is just kind of a go-to for your grip training. All right, for the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I want to talk a little bit about altitude. Uh, there's a good chance that at some point you're going to be racing at altitude and a lot of things can go wrong if you're not preparing yourself for something like this. So we've all probably heard the, you know, um, sleep high, train low uh, mentality and or just, you know, getting up at altitude and training. There's, you know, issues with that and the main one being logistical where it's it's hard to get it. At altitude, it's hard to maybe you know use even different technologies to simulate uh, altitude training. So we're gonna skip all those things because I feel like for most people they're just not options. Uh, so what are some things we want to consider? So first, you know what what do you what are we trying to avoid? You know obviously there's things we can do, and I think they're kind of the same thing to help improve performance at altitude, um, but also and and maybe more importantly is reduce the risk of you know something like altitude sickness from happening because if, if that sets in that's that's going to end the race right it's going to be really hard to to push through something like that you know so altitude sickness we're talking about you're you know experiencing you know significant headache gi stress and discomfort uh fatigue uh weakness dizziness uh, di difficulty sleeping uh you're just not going to feel good and you might be able to push through and, and finish a race. Um, it's probably not going to be your best race. And uh, and there is a good chance that you're just not going to be able to finish. So I think there's there's simple things that we can we can look at. Uh, so a lot when we talk about altitude, sometimes we focus so much on the oxygen, right? Where the, the pressure of oxygen is different. So we have a harder time getting uh, the oxygen into our blood to oxygenate it and, and get it to the muscles that, that need it to, to work properly. Uh, but we don't often talk about the, the CO2 piece of it, and that's that's a big part of it. So when oxygen levels decrease, CO2 increases, and a lot of times that's that's what's controlling everything, right? So too much uh, CO2, this is also known as hypercapnia. Uh, our blood tends to become too acidic, and it can lead to a lot of different problems. But we have sensors in our body that sense that CO2 when it's too high or it's too low, and it, it requires us to... to to do things, to breathe harder, to, to try and get more 
oxygen in. So when we know there is high levels of CO2, there are some things we want to do in order to help um, help deal with that or you know hopefully help prepare for that so it's it's not as big of an issue when we're faced with it. So I think there's a couple different approaches we can take. So to start, um, we can kind of control the environment as best we can, meaning our body. And then we can start controlling the, looking at more of like a cellular level with oxygen and carbon dioxide. So one of the big things is if you have been at altitude before and have suffered from some type of issue with altitude, just realize you're more vulnerable. You're gonna be at a higher risk for something happening again. So you're gonna to wanna to pay more attention. Some people will just not have issues, um, but we, we may not know that. So uh, we're gonna do everything we can to prevent any issues from coming. But just know if, if you've had some issues in the past, you're probably gonna to wanna to really pay attention to doing everything you potentially can. Um, so some, some big things, and I'm not gonna spend a ton of time on this because you've probably heard it before, but things that you definitely want to pay attention to when we're going to be traveling to, to altitude, you know, something like increasing your carbohydrate intake, uh, you're going to go through and use more carbohydrates for fuel at higher altitude. So it's important to make sure that we are increasing the intake of carbohydrates. So again, it doesn't have to be crazy, but we are getting a little bit higher carbohydrate intake when we're at higher altitude. Uh, avoiding alcohol. I know this can be a hard one for some people, but that uh, this is again not going to our body's going to we want our bodies to be working to uh, adapt or just be able to handle being at high altitude now if we add alcohol into the system now our body has to work to get that out and to process it and it's not going to be able to put its full effort into dealing with with the altitude so uh, make sure you're avoiding alcohol and if you are going to consume alcohol, wait till you've adapted a little bit before doing that. And obviously staying hydrated on the opposite end, we wanna make sure we're, we're doing everything possible to make sure our body is functioning, eating, you know, just getting good nutrition in, not being deficient in anything. So uh, uh, paying attention, extra attention to the foods that you're consuming when you're at altitude. Uh, sleeping, you know, this is when your body's recovering, making sure we're getting adequate sleep. Um, if you can sleep at a lower altitude, you know that that might be an option. But if not, just make sure you are allowing yourself adequate sleep so we can handle being at altitude the best. Now, uh, like I said, those are probably things you've heard of before. If we look at it more from at the cellular level with carbon dioxide and oxygen, I think we can do some things to best prepare our body to handle this kind of disruption between our normal oxygen levels and and potentially increased carbon dioxide levels so as i mentioned you have sensors in your body that will see if carbon dioxide levels are creeping up too high and basically will sound the alarm and do things to help increase oxygen and get rid of carbon dioxide so something like breathing heavier uh, would be something that we potentially could do now <clears throat> when these numbers become uh, disrupted some people will react differently. Some people can better handle handle it. Some people can, uh, their sensors are almost desensitized where they essentially they don't panic or they don't sound the alarm as easily as others. Just think of it this way. If we take somebody who has never exercised before and we get them on a treadmill and start running, you know, picture what's going to happen. All of these reactions in the body are gonna take place and it's gonna be a huge shock to the system and they're gonna be out of breath and just you know feel terrible like like they're dying now if you have somebody who has worked out before and you put them on a treadmill and they start exercising and it's no big deal you know maybe their their breathing rate and their heart rate increases a little bit but it's really not much of a disruption um, it's the same idea they've we've prepared our body to handle some of these stresses and i think you can do the same thing with some of these levels of carbon dioxide and oxygen now obviously too much of a uh, too high of an increase of carbon dioxide is bad and that's why we have this alarm uh, set up in our body but uh, sometimes it becomes too sensitive so we can do different breathing drills to help prepare for this now if you've read the book oxygen advantage they'll talk a lot about this and different breathing drills that you can do at altitude so that is a great resource for you um, one of the things they talk about in the book is the, the bolt test um, or a uh, functional residual uh, test where 
you're essentially going to exhale a normal breath and when you finish your exhale you're going to plug your nose and hold your breath and it's not a maximum breath hold you're not trying to see how long you can hold your breath until you feel uh, you know a very strong hunger for air and very uncomfortable it's going to be when you first get that uncomfortable feeling to take a breath that's that's when the test is over so as you exhale plug your nose hold your breath you're just going to stay there and if all of a sudden you feel like your your diaphragm twitching or um, neck muscles twitching or you're swallowing or uh, you just get start to get uncomfortable and have that hunger for for taking a breath that's when you would start breathing again and stop the test and we would time how long before you hit that point um, really we want to see a number of at least 40 seconds here if you're under that number uh, it, it means you're probably going to be at a little bit higher risk for something happening and there is probably a good opportunity for you to make some improvements here so uh, there's a number of different breathing drills that you can do um, I think one simple one that you can start with is just breath holds right just get used to uh, holding your breath and when you're holding your breath in particular you're focusing on that exhalation so you're just taking a normal inhale a normal exhale when the air's out you plug your nose and you hold your breath right and we just do this on a regular basis to see when you know when you exhale you're going to see oxygen levels decrease uh, and you're going to see carbon, di carbon dioxide levels increase as you hold your breath and it's this we're trying to train we're trying to basically increase a little bit of a tolerance for some of those carbon dioxide levels. So we, our body is better uh, able to um, handle lower oxygen levels. And again, obviously, you know, uh, we have to give a warning. If you're doing breath hold drills, please don't do these while you're driving or anywhere that it can um, injure yourself or, or cause any problems. So this is something, just do it in a safe environment and uh, do it with somebody supervising you just to make sure that uh, nothing happens. Um, so I think that's a great place to start there. Uh, and then another um, progression that you can do is you start adding a little bit of walking with your breath hold, breath hold. So you take a normal breath in, you exhale, you plug your nose and you keep walking. Um, typically, you know, anywhere from like 10 to 20 paces, you just hold your breath and walk, right? In the beginning, this might be really uncomfortable or it might not be too bad but you're just gonna practice a little bit of this movement with your breath hold. And then you're gonna take a few deep breaths, recover, and then repeat, repeat that process. So uh, again, really simple drill you can do to help prepare yourself. Um, but anything, just being mindful with your breathing. Um, I've talked about four, seven, eight breathing, where you inhale for four seconds, uh, hold for seven, exhale for eight. Uh, these, again, just a simple breathing drill to get you more aware of your breathing, more in control, uh, seeing that better uh, exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide. So the idea here is just better preparing your body to handle this disrupt disruption in gas exchange with, with oxygen and carbon dioxide. So um, hopefully that all makes sense. I think a good place to start is try out that bolt test, that breath hold test, and, and see how you do. If you're over 40, then this, this might not be something that you really have to deal with although it certainly wouldn't hurt um, but if you're under that 40 second hold then i definitely would be a little bit more mindful with your breathing exercises you know try some of these these breath hold drills uh there's a ton of them out there i think these are just simple ones when we just hold on the exhale and then add a little bit of walking uh with it that it's a great way to prep you for um for some of those races heading up to altitude so like i said nothing would replace living at altitude but if that's not an option uh, these are just a couple really simple things that you can do that might be beneficial. All right, so let's look at uh, some research on caffeine. And I'm willing to bet there's a good chance that you uh, regularly consume caffeine. Uh, maybe not, but I know it's one of one supplement or ingredient that many people take on a regular basis, whether it's with your morning coffee or tea, uh, pre-workout, whatever it might be. So I thought it was relevant to talk about. Uh, I have done uh, a research review on another interesting uh, study involving caffeine and, and genetics. Um, I'll have to, I don't remember the episode off the top of my head, but if I can find it, I'll 
I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, but essentially, it was looking at, you know, caffeine is a well-known performance enhancement uh, supplement, specifically when we're looking at endurance activity. Uh, yes, it stimulates uh, the central nervous system. It gets us more focused and alert, um, uh, but it also does enhance uh, fat utilization for fuel, which could be beneficial for some endurance events uh, or for all endurance events. events. Uh, but what this study looked at was that it, does, it doesn't work that way for everyone. When you look at the studies on caffeine, uh, we see ranges of people that it helps and it doesn't. And normally when we see the results of a study, you see the averages, right? Where um, it, you see, a, you know, just making up numbers, a, a 5% increase in endurance performance or something along those lines. Uh, so to remember, that's an average. So there might have been some people that had, you know, a, a 20% increase. And then there was others that maybe had a negative uh, impact from it. And um, they this study looked at certain genetics um, influenced if caffeine uh, was potentially a good or bad performance enhancement uh, supplement for you. So again, um, you know, obviously you wouldn't know that really unless you had genetic testing. So something like 23andMe or one of the other ones, and you can look and see if you're a fast or slow caffeine metabolizer. And you might know if that seems to help you or not, or just maybe through experience, you know that it it just doesn't seem to help you, or it does. So um, again, I'll put a link so you can you can learn more about that study. Uh, this one was looking specifically at caffeine and taking caffeine in the heat. So as uh, summertime is approaching and it's getting hotter, and we're going to be participating in warmer, warmer events, uh, I thought this might be irrelevant. Topic. So uh, caffeine is, uh, you know, typically safe to take for most people. And even in heat, it doesn't seem to affect core temperature. So that doesn't seem to be an issue at all. But what the study wanted to look at was caffeine and its impact on uh, breathing, hyperventilation, and uh, looking at blood flow, in particular blood flow to uh, the cerebrum, to the brain. And they wanted to see if caffeine had any impact in the heat. So uh, what they did was they took a group of individuals and they either gave them a placebo or a moderate dose of caffeine. Um, and then they performed exercise. They waited 60 minutes and then they performed exercise in a heated environment. So they did a controlled environment to 37 degrees Celsius, which is uh, 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. And they had them exercise for about 45 minutes. And the intensity was a moderate intensity. They were at about 55% of their um, VO2 max. So when they did this, they wanted to see if there was a difference between those that had caffeine and those didn't. Uh, was there a, dif uh, a difference in respiration and how much they were breathing? And was there a difference in blood flow to the brain? And what they found was in this hotter environment, they saw an increase in hyperventilation. So they were breathing significantly harder at the hotter temperature. And they saw a decrease in blood flow to the cerebrum. So I thought that was kind of an interesting piece there. So the, the cerebrum uh, has many, many functions of the body, but this is where we initiate and coordinate movements of the body. And this is where we regulate temperature, which is kind of what we're, we're talking about here. Uh, it also plays a role in judgment and thinking and reasoning and things like that. So um, I just thought this was an interesting thing to bring up. If you are planning on racing in a hot environment and you are worried about, you know, any side effects from uh, performing in the heat, caffeine may influence some of this, right? So if it's decreasing blood flow to the brain, you know, our judgment might be altered, our movement might be altered. Um, but like I said, it has to do with regulating temperature as well. So would it influence how well our body regulates temperature? So if we're getting too hot, could we have the more likely potential to overheat there? So uh, just thought it was kind of an interesting study to share that, hey, you know, caffeine is, is generally a safe supplement. But just like the previous study I talked about, you know, a while back on your genetics and caffeine, uh, and this one, looking at uh, performing in hot temperatures, um, this might be just something you want to consider whether you should or should not consume caffeine prior to your racing. So uh, 
hopefully that's helpful and uh, just gives you an idea of maybe some things you should or shouldn't be be taking before some of those hotter races. All right, guys. Well, it's time for the interview section of this episode's podcast. Uh, and today I have a special guest, Rose Dye. Rose has a background in Krav Maga, uh, boxing and gymnastics. She's been in the fitness industry for 50, uh, 25 years, coaching and managing uh, facilities in New York, New Jersey, and North Carolina. She's uh, NASM certified, precision nutrition level one coach, Spartan SGX coach, and DECA coach with specialties in senior fitness and obesity. She's had awesome success with racing, earning quite a few podium spots. Um, and most recently, she's going to be uh, an instructor at the Johnson Community College starting fall of 2021. Uh, so, Rose, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Awesome. Well, congrats. Congrats on the teaching position. I teach at a community college as well. Uh, and I, I think it's awesome. So that's going to be fun opportunity for you. I'm super excited about it because I think one of my long-term goals has always been like, I love training and I love working with people, but my thought is if I can help a next generation have that same passion and fire for helping people, then how many more people can be affected? You know, I can only, I can only help X amount of people, but if I help people to help people, then that's like exponential, you know? Absolutely. And it's so cool because I, thinking back how I started, you know, we didn't know a, a fraction of what we know now. And, you know, those that are getting into it now even have, can, if they're, you know, willing to work, have such a huge head start. So it's cool to be able to contribute to that. Yeah. And I'm awesome. older than you. So that back when I was in school, they didn't even have this as an option. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, so, well, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on here. And I'd, I'd love to get your insight on, on a few different topics. But I'd love to hear just um, really how you got into this crazy sport of obstacle course racing and what, what kind of led you down that path. Um, it actually goes back to uh, a good friend of mine, Daryl. We were working in the same um, gym together and he was doing this crazy style training, tire flipping. This is back in 2010. And he was doing um, an obstacle race. It was, it was a tough mutter actually at the time. And he's like, you know, you should come and do it with us. You'd really like it. So I was like, I don't know. What is this all about? I was like, okay, fine. So I went with a group of people. We had a blast. Um, of course, I wore all the wrong gear. I knew nothing about gear at that time. So I had like my regular, you know, thick sneakers on. I had a cotton shirt, um, sprained my ankle, got carried across the finish line by two friends. <laughs> Woke up sore as heck the next day. And I said, yes, I want to do this again. <laughs> And then I found Spartan the following year. And that's back when they still had, they used to have the gladiators at the end. Yeah. And I, I got a couple of people together and I was like, you know, let's do this. You know, I, I got to be able to finish better than last time. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so challenging and so much fun that I was like, I got to get better at this. Like, I love this. I love I loved everything about it. I loved how hard it was. I loved how challenging it was. I loved the technique that was needed that I was unaware of. I loved the camaraderie of people. And it just, I was like, yeah, this is, this is everything that I love all in one. So, and then from there, it just kind of exploded. Yeah. And I, you know, all the coaches that I talked to and all the people that I talked to, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, I think a lot of us got into this the same way. We were like, no, oh, let me just try this thing out. I don't even know what it is. You get your ass kicked and then you're like, I can do, do way again. better. Than <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think, yeah, you just get bit by that bug and it, um, it's, you know, addicting and, and fun and contagious and, and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, just, Looking at your history, you you had a lot of success 
you know, early on. So it looked like you, you did figure out all these, these crazy things and the technique and uh, which led to some early success for you. Yeah, we, um, we, uh, in 2012, um, I opened up my own facility in New Jersey and it was, um, it was basically obstacle related. We, we built a bunch of obstacles out in the field and we had an inside strength and conditioning program that um, I designed and it was geared for weekend warriors and, you know, just place to come and be able to learn some of the, be able to work on some of the technique of things. Um, but I was challenged by some of the obstacles and I knew I just had to get better at it. So I just was like, literally every day, it was just like one of those constant things of just improving cardio, improving strength. Um, I have a gymnastics background. So that part of it, like monkey bars and things like that, that was a little bit easier. It was a little bit more connected with my body that way. Mm -hmm. But um, just really getting after it and just having a mindset of, I have to conquer this next obstacle. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, you know, I pick an obstacle that I really want to get good at and then just like really work on it and work on it. And yeah, I mean, I was really fortunate. I absolutely, I, I raced so much in 2015 and 2016. It was crazy. I think we were gone three weekends out of the month racing somewhere. <laughs> So it was, it was crazy. And at that time, that's when I got my son into it. So we would race together. So we would go and travel literally everywhere from Vermont um, to the Carolinas to uh, out West. I mean, we were everywhere. We were flying, awesome. we were driving. We were just like, yes, it's another race weekend. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. Uh, so how old is your son? Now he is, how old is my youngest? Oh my Lord. Um, he is 26. Yeah, he'll be 26 okay. this year. Awesome. Awesome. So how old was he when he got into it then? So in a teenager? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Real young. Um, when he started high school, I guess is when we kind of like started focusing in on, you know, Hey, you need to come. I mean, I was in the gym industry. So I was like, Hey, you need to come to the gym. You need to start like, you know, working out and putting it all together. He was always very athletic in nature. So it was, I, I look back and it's just so funny to see how far he's come. And he was a wrestler. So I have a big thing about mindset with wrestlers. They, and not that I'm biased to the sport, but maybe I am. Um, they just have a mindset for success. And I think it helps them in every area of life. But I also think that set him up to do so well at Spartan. So uh, in 20, I mean, last year is like a, doesn't count. So 2019, 2019, he was top 10 Spartan, um, Spartan stadium racers. Nice. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Really cool. I know my, so my son's, uh, he's nine now and I'm hoping he's done a couple of the kids races, but it'll be awesome to be able to actually run a, a full race with him, but hopefully we can get the kids back out there and, and racing yeah. again yeah, soon. Um, so I want uh, you to tell a little bit about your story. So we had early success and then um, you were involved in a car accident and things changed. Yeah. Um, 2016 was like the best year of my racing life or my life in general. Um, just went from coining, going to Tahoe, um, first, first podium spot when they, had, they still had masters at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, it was just an all around great year. I had, I, I had several races that completed with no, no obstacle failure. Mm -hmm. Um, it was just awesome all around, you know, that feeling of just like, wow, you know, I feel invincible kind of thing. And that my son also qualified for championships that year. So we were the first mother son team to actually qualify for championships, which was cool. That's awesome. And then I was like, all right, 2017 is going to be even better. You know, like I, I want so much more, so much more. And in February of 2017, I was in a car accident and I needed, um, I needed surgery on my foot. They had to put plate and screws in my metacuniform joint. So basically it kind of prevents mobility in that joint um, and have a tendon reattached from my big toe. 
and had some knee issue with that too. I had to have follow-up knee surgery for my meniscus because my it not only tore, but it created a parameniscus cyst. So that was really painful. So they had to go in and clean that out. Um, that was February. I had the accident. March, I did Greek peak with before knowing exactly what was wrong with my foot. I knew it was like killing me and I couldn't do anything with it. But I was like, no, I can get through this. I can get through this. <laughs> and then some follow-up visits was like, yeah, no, you have some like really big issues that need to, to be worked on. Um, so July is when I had foot surgery. And then I spent a year learning how to uh, run again. That's yeah. And that's, I mean, it's crazy that you had all of that yet still went out there. Were you able to get through that race at Greek peak? And, and I did. The, the Greek peak was with, um, was with my crew from, okay. from my gym. So it was just a, an open, an open race. So we were just having fun going through it. So it didn't require a lot. Um, but like every step was painful. Like it was mm -hmm. really painful. Um, at one point my son was carrying me a little bit. I was just like, I can't, I can't walk anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. it was, it was bad, but, um, the recovery process was long. It was way longer than I anticipated, even though like you're told everything up front, you know, mm -hmm. uh, went to a great doctor and, um, it, he was very upfront about it, but it, I was like, okay, no, not me, you mm -hmm. know? It, I, I can do this quicker. I can be back better. Um, but it was, it was a very, very long process. Yeah. And I got to give a shout out to um, Draper training. He was my running coach during that time period to get me back. And I, I needed every, every bit of help because it was really taxing physically and mentally. Oh, I can only imagine. Uh, so um that's such a tough thing. So going in, they tell you, I'm the same way. You tell me six months, I'll do it in three. Right. Um, <laughs> at least up here, I will say that. And that's probably, probably seven or eight months it'll take. Um, so all in all, how long did it, did that recovery process take where you felt like you were, okay, I'm ready to get back to, to doing some things. I mean, I wanted to be back the next day. I mean, it, well, no, I shouldn't say that because I was in a cast for several months and yeah. It was very painful. Um, foot surgery is painful. Like I didn't realize just how how sensitive your foot can really be. Mm -hmm. It was painful. Um, but I guess, so July was my foot surgery. October was when I had my knee cleaned out. Um, that was a quick rebound because I came out, I had it done on a Friday and on a Monday I was on a bike and that was okay. great. That was a cool. great feeling. And that was right after I had my cast taken off. Um, and then you just start the walking process. And by December, I thought, I was like, wow, I'm walking. This is great. I look great. And then you get somebody that comes up to you that hasn't seen you in a while. And they're like, oh, what happened? You're limping. I'm like, God. <laughs> yeah. So to, to go from that to eliminating a limp to just even doing simple things like, you know, walking lunges and balancing out the strength because I lost so much strength in one side and just creating that balance once again was just grueling because it's like okay I'm going back to basics when I was here and now I got to start here and then you have all that all those thoughts in your head okay well you know what I'm getting too old for this this is this, you know, maybe I should just like forget about it. You know, am I ever really going to get back? Am I ever going to do this again? You know, you have all those thoughts that go through your head. Like this is so hard and I could be doing other things and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So. Well, that's that. This is something that I want to talk really about both sides of this. Cause on, on this show, we talk a lot about the, the physical side, right? What can we do for training and running and obstacles and all that, that good stuff. But we, we often skip over the, the mental impact of a lot of different things of life, of injury, whatever it might be. Um, but this can control so much of, of what we do, how we respond, how we recover. So I'd love to get your impact or your, your uh, advice or, or just kind of your thoughts on this idea, because it, you know, it sounds like you had to deal with 
a few different things. Like one is, am I ever going to get back? Is it worth it? Will I be back there? Um, or, you know, am I, you know, am I totally done with, with racing and training and, and being part of who I am? So I'd just love to get your, uh, what kind of was going through your head through this whole process? Um, after like the little pity party, um, mm -hmm. then I just kind of got mad and I was like, you know what? I go out on my own terms. I'm not going to be stopped when I don't want to be stopped. Like, you know, like I have goals and I, and I, I need to come back from this. Like, I can't have this be the end. Like, this is not my choice. So, you know, what do I have to do to change that? And I think that was huge for me because <clears throat> that was really the catalyst for everything else. It was, okay, I'm committed to not being stopped. So now what does that look like? You know, and that's when I reached out um, to Chris Draper and, and, you know, like even coaches need coaches, you know, accountability is somebody that can, um, you know, always be, be there and say, Hey, this is what you should be doing. How are you feeling? Let's move forward. Or don't worry about that. Or let's skip past this. Or I need you to push harder. You know, that little extra voice besides your own is really important. And between that and then just, I, I have a no quit attitude. Like I want it to come back. I wanted to prove something. I wanted to prove that I can't, I wasn't going to be stopped by quote unquote, an obstacle, which was surgery. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I told, um, I, I told Chris Draper and I was just like, I want to come back August of 2018. And I want a podium spot in my age group. Cause now they, they didn't have masters anymore. So it's like, I want an age group, um, podium. So I was like, okay, let's do it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and it was just staying the course, you know, it's, you look at social media and everybody posts all these great videos of big accomplishments, right? You know, like either crazy things that they're doing in training or, you know, uh, great feats that they've accomplished or distances that they've run, but you very rarely see the everyday boring, this is so hard to get through stuff, you know, and like I spent a half an hour every day just doing mobility exercises for my hip and my ankle. Um, you know, there's nothing glorious in that. Nobody really wants to see that, <laughs> you know, unless you're coming at and unless you're in a rehab situation, but you know, those are the things that matter. Those are the things that kind of get you to where you want to be. It's not it's not the, the end glorious moment is really just a small speck of everything that's come before it, of the everyday grind, the everyday, I got to push myself, the everyday of, no, I'm not motivated to do this. Um, you know, this is, this is a goal. This is, this is, this is what I want. And I don't always have to feel motivated. You know, mm -hmm. does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, motivation is kind of, I don't want to say myth, but it's misleading where if you're saying I'm not motivated, it's like, well, you're motivated to do something and maybe motivated to sit on the couch and feel bad about yourself, but you're motivated to do that. Um, so you're in control what, what you're motivated for. But I, you know, if we're relying on motivation to get through a workout or to push ourselves harder, that's when you're getting in trouble because that's not always going to be there. And it's probably rarely going to be there. Every once in a while, you might be like, I'm super motivated today and I'm going to go. But a lot of times it's like, I'm not. And if I yeah, was relying on that, I'm screwed. That's day one with anyone. Like I'm super yeah. motivated. I have this goal and I'm motivated. Whatever you tell me to do. I see this with my clients all the time. It's super motivation in the beginning, which is awesome. But beyond that, which is why, you know, like I always ask them why, you know, why are you motivated? Why do you want to do this? You know, it's great that you want to do it, but why? Because inevitably by week two, three, four, it's always going to come down to some, ex some excuse of why they can't train or I'm not feeling it or blah, blah, blah. And then, okay, do you remember why you wanted to do this in the first place? Mm -hmm. You know, what was your, what was your reasoning in the first place? And I had many of those days in my own training where it was like, okay, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I set myself a goal and I, and, and maybe it was even just as simple as proving to my kids that, you know, obstacles come in life and it's how you handle them and how you overcome them. You know, just a simple, um, 
legacy of that, of, you know, pushing through no matter what you face in life. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, kind of like you're saying, I want to get back on the podium and I have clients that'll come to me and they want to get on the podium and those are great goals. But like you said, it's, that's an awesome goal and we can definitely work on it. But do you understand there is a little bit of a cost to that? There's a sacrifice you'll have to make. You're going to be doing things you don't want to do. Um, you're going to be uncomfortable. You know, we, we see the glory of standing on that podium, which is an awesome, awesome accomplishment, but you don't see all the, the, the crap you have to deal with and all the work you have to put in and, and all that. So that's, um, for some people, they're like, it's not worth it. And that's okay. Like admit it now before you just try and kill yourself with all these things you don't want to do. Or it's like, no, that's, that's what I want. And now I'm ready for it. So, um, right. again, not motivation, just telling yourself, this is how it is. Right. So it sounds like, uh, I, I, you know, trying to help others out there because I think we may not have an injury. Uh, well, I think a lot of people are probably overcoming injuries at some point, but it, it could be a car accident. It could be a training related injury, or it could be 2020 where we were all just sidelined for, you know, the obvious reasons. So we all are dealing with not just the physical side, but the mental side of like, ah, screw it. I can do something else, or I don't want to go back or whatever it might be. But it sounds like some of the biggest things that got you through your, the, the struggles you were dealing with were one, you asked for help. And I think that's a great first step, right? That a lot of people just aren't willing to do, whether it's a coach, a friend, somebody, you know, that you can at least, you had this idea, you passed it on to them and they said, let's, let's do it. And now it's like, you just made a commitment. You have to follow through. Cause I don't want, nobody wants to break a commitment once they've made it. Right. Right. And I had actually right after when I was still in a cast, I had a good friend, Mac, who literally showed up at my door and was like, we're going to the gym. And, you know, we go down to the gym and, you know, like you can still work out, you can still do something. You know, maybe you can't run and maybe you can't do this, but literally I was on the rower with my foot on one of those gliders out to the side <laughs> and mm -hmm. like just working it that way. It's like, you know, you can make things happen. You know, you can, you can still do something and something is always better than nothing. So it's, you know, getting that, getting your, your head in the right space, I think is important. And, you know, one of the things that I always try to do with my clients is, build up a belief system in themselves. And I think so many people lack that. So many people, either from years of being told they couldn't do it or a self-belief that they're unable to accomplish whatever, um, you know, building that confidence up so that they can actually believe in themselves enough to put in the work. Because if you can believe in yourself, I can teach you to do anything, mm -hmm. pretty much. You know, it's you just have to believe that you can do it. I and mean, when you're coming in with an attitude of, uh, I just, um, I suck, I'm not good. I'll never be able to do that. You know, yeah, you probably will never be able to do that. But if you come to an attitude, like I really wanna be able to do that. And I know I can someday with the right training, then yeah, let's work. Absolutely. You, know, you, you can make it happen. Yeah. And it's, can, can you imagine if you all day, you were walking around and there was a, a person next to you just saying, you can't do that. You can't, no matter what it was like, you, yeah, why are you even doing this? You can't bother. And it's like, how ridiculous that would be if somebody just walked around doing that. But if you think about it, how many times do people just tell themselves, yeah, I can't do that, or I'm not going to do this, or it's too hard or whatever. And that's draining like that. Yeah. Th that's the motivation like zapper. If any motivation you did have, it'll easily go away when you just have that negative self-talk and, it's a difficult thing to, to change. Um, but I think I always say step one is just be aware, be aware when you are telling yourself something, something negative, right? And it's, it's hard, it's hard to be positive all the time. But if you can't start with that, it's, it's a long road. And I think what you say to yourself is probably some of the most important words more than anyone else's. It comes, you know, you have to start with self-love. You have to wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and love who you see. You know, you might want to change things. You might want to, you know, like look different or, or change up something, but you have to love yourself because without that, you're just going to constantly be feeding negative thoughts into yourself and you, you'll never accomplish anything. Yeah. You know, 
start with that self-love, that self-belief. And then, you know, like you said, reaching out to people that, to help, you know, coaches, friends, um, you know, to help you along the way. And that's what I love about Spartan is that it is such a community-based family, really. You know, there's mm-hmm. always people, strangers, strangers will help you get through, you know, it's, it's great. Absolutely. So it's a great community to be part of. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I think, yeah, it's um, two big things that I think are really helpful for people once they master them is, is that idea behind that positive self-talk, just practice that daily. It's just like, it's a skill. It's a training for an obstacle. It's just be mindful of it, do it, do it when you, when you can. Um, and surrounding yourselves in a, in a positive environment with, you know, you have that person that shows up at your door to get you there because some days it's hard, you know, and it's, it's hard to talk yourself into it, but you make a commitment. You have somebody else there with you checking in on you even, uh, can go a long way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's, uh, you know, you're talking about like the, the thoughts in your head. It reminded me of a book, um, untethered soul. I can't remember who wrote it, but it's this kind of trippy book. (laughs) Uh, it's basically this idea that this, these, this person inside your head is not you, but he, that they'll affect everything you do. And once you realize that it's, it's just words, it's just voice, but it's not, it's not who you are. And I'm probably not explaining this very well. That's why it's, it's a very uh, deep book, but it's all about this idea of um, being in control of, of those thoughts. So if anybody wants to go down that, that rabbit hole, that's untethered soul, which is a, an interesting read. I'll have so, to read that one. I haven't read yeah, that one, but yeah. I think, and that just points out something else too, is like what you fill your mind with, you know, like what you read, you know, what do you, you know, I think that mental preparation, even in that regard is really important, you know, that, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there, but you know, some of the, and 2020 actually was a great year to read. Yeah, <laughs> I read so much in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So my wife read a lot of like murder books and stuff like that. So I probably should be a little worried, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I read, I mean, Gary Bishop, Tim Grover. Um, there's another book, Unstoppable. I forget who, who wrote that. Uh, there's so many good mental prep books just to yeah. kind of, you know, really get you out of your own head yeah. or get yeah. you into your head in the right way. Absolutely. So, you know, I want to make sure we kind of fast forward. So you got through all of this, you, you had a rough road, you had help, you had the mindset. And then, so what happened when you got back to racing? Um, first race, West Point podium spot, super excited. Um, and then what was my race after that? I did Oh, long, must've been Long Island. I went up to Long Island and uh, podium there too. Awesome. Which was awesome. So my first two races back were both podium spots and that made everything worth it. That made everything worth it. So, yeah. yeah, So, I mean, don't count me out yet. I'm still coming back. (laughs) Absolutely. I know. And then, and then we hit a little, another little road bump, but, um, but it's the same thing, right? It's, Hey, when, when we're back, we're going to, we're going to attack it and, and go from there. Um, Okay, so I, I like asking this question. You're just going to fill in the blank for me. Oh, <laughs> oh not hard. Don't worry. Uh, if, every, <laughs> if everyone just did blank, they would see incredible gains in their training. Okay, so the first thought that came into my mind was deadlifts, and I'm sorry because that's just my... <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a great um, exercise. I, I, I think it's underused, and yeah, it is. If everyone just did blank, they would see incredible. If, after 2020, I'd say if everyone just moved more. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. seriously, I think our, our movement has like decreased so much. It's ridiculous. Oh, I, I totally agree. And I, I think kind of like what you're saying before, where you were here in 2019 you know, you're down here in 2020. Remember, like, that's a bridge you're trying to cross. You, you have to build back up. You're not, if you, if you weren't consistently doing things, don't expect to be where you left off. And that's right. okay. Just be ready be for ready it. Be ready for it. Right. Yeah. All right. So uh, what is your favorite obstacle? Hmm. 
favorite one. I got to give this a thought. Probably, probably Twister. That's a good one. Yeah, probably Twister because it's a little bit harder than, than most. And it really requires a good, I mean, there's multiple ways of doing it, but it really requires like that mind body connection to be able mm -hmm. to like move the body in the right. Cause you have that, you know, coming down on one side you got to be able to like really kind of connect. So yeah. yeah, that has, that has to be one of my favorites. All right. Awesome. How Definitely about not the spear throw. <laughs> well, I was going to say, what, what about Lee's favorite? So is it spear throw? Um, I'm going to, I don't know because I do like the spear throw, it's but it's just, <laughs> it just is. And it's so technique based. And if you go in with too high of a heart rate, it just messes things up. And it's that, it's that fine balance, but yeah, probably, probably that one because you have less control over it. Awesome. Uh, and how about your favorite race, favorite race venue? Tahoe, hands down. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. I, this year, assuming it happens, is going to be the first time I'm, I'm actually going to make it out there. So I'm excited for that one. It's gorgeous. Um, it's the terrain is great. And when we were there, that was the year. And I never knew this was, this could, I never even had this as a thought of possibility in my head, but it was so windy on the second day that the dunk wall fell over. <laughs> and I was just like, I didn't even think that could happen. Like just from a structural perspective on how, yeah. like how it's based out. I was like, yeah. I never even thought going underneath the dunk wall that maybe this could fall on me. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully nobody was in was in the water at the time but that's know, how seriously. windy it was wow. it was so windy so definitely have that to look forward to <laughs> yeah you're gonna love it you're gonna yeah. love it awesome well thank you so much for coming on if, if anybody wants to learn more about you or kind of check out what you're doing where would be some good places they can go check out um instagram i'm always posting there and that's rose.dy and uh, website is mostly, I do a lot of nutrition coaching and that's, it's a lifestyle. Um, so yeah, if anyone's interested in nutrition coaching, I definitely approach that from a holistic perspective. No quick fad kind of things, just whole food, smart, fuel, food is fuel. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll put the links as usual to uh, both of those in the show notes so people can check that out and learn more and, and follow what you're doing. So uh, again, thank you so much for joining. Um, looking forward to hopefully seeing you out on a course maybe one day. Absolutely. That'll be great. Well, that's going to do it for episode 80 of the OCR Underground Show. As always, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you found this useful and can apply a lot of the things that we talked about on the show. Uh, special thanks to my guest, SGX coach Rose Dye. Uh, thank you for sharing her insight. Remember to check her out and follow her. Uh, all the links are in the show notes for this episode. Again, it's at www.ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 80 for anything we talked about uh, in this show. Uh, again, thank you to the sponsors. Uh, don't forget to check out Venga CBD. Take the quiz, get your personalized CBD products, and uh, check out Handmaster Plus. All right. Well, uh, that's it for now. We'll be back soon with another great episode. Until then, keep training smarter.